0: Welcome to Creating Your Happy Place, a podcast that explores how our spaces support or sometimes sabotage our happiness and empowers you to do whatever it takes to get happy at home. I'm Rebecca West, host of Creating Your Happy Place and author of the book, Happy Starts at Home, and I am so glad you're here today. On today's episode of Creating Your Happy Place, I am so excited to chat with a gal who has somehow figured out how to create a beautiful, and practical home. Now that is something we all have to figure out, but it becomes especially important when there's somebody in your family who has special needs, like a child who really likes to put upholstery and dishware to the test. If there are any parents listening in today who are trying to navigate the balance between having a beautiful home and a spill-proof and unbreakable home, you're going to enjoy this conversation. So let me welcome to the show Interior Inclusion Specialist and Founder of Acorn and Oak, Shelley Rosenberg. Welcome, Shelley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we're going to have this conversation today. I really think it's going to really touch on that practical side of living beautifully. Now, I understand that you live with your husband, Barry. One of your two daughters is still at home, along with your son, along with two dogs, all yes. down in Dallas, Texas, right? That's right. That's all right. right. And on your Instagram feed, you have have a fantastic feed, but you have some photos, especially this one that I love, of your son sitting in this gorgeous blue velvet (laughs) upholstered chair eating straight from a jar of peanut butter. And somehow that doesn't freak you out because your design choices have made that okay. So I'd like to start this conversation by you telling us about that chair, your son, and what it means to be an interior inclusion specialist and how all of that came to be part of your family's story.
1: Wow. Well, it, it's a big and fun story. Um, Ronan is just seven years old. He was born with Down syndrome. And I learned immediately that he had even more unique um, challenges than, than regular typical kids do. And so it was just really important to me to make sure that the house could withstand his energy, and his limitations. But even more than that, I realized that if I could meet my child where he was and take away the consistent, oh, no, 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 don't sit there, or or, you can't use this room, or let me do this for you. If I could empower my child through the lens of interior design by adapting my home to make sure that I met him where he was, um, then we'd have so much less stress and a much happier home. So that beautiful chair is covered in an outdoor velvet that is a solution dyed acrylic and you can pour bleach on that beautiful velvet, you can't hurt it. And that way my son Ronan feels that he is free within his own home to be himself. And I just, I really love that, that whole aspect of design. That's really fantastic.
0: And I always say that we have to work with the realities of our lives. And a lot of people will come to an interior designer and say, you know, how should I design my home or what kind of storage solution should I come up with? And I'm going, okay, well, first we have to figure out, you know, what are you trying to store? What do you need to access? Who's accessing it? Because if we don't work with the habits and reality of our family, then we're just going to be creating things that are more work and more maintenance, just no matter
1: what's in our lives that we're trying to accommodate. That's right. And we, you really delay your happiness. I've, I've met so many clients that say, you know, we really don't want to invest in anything new. We don't want to recover that sofa. We don't mm-hmm. want to get this new furniture because we have kids and pets and they're just going to ruin everything. And so we're going to delay our satisfaction and our, our, you know, to be gratified in our own homes. And that's just not necessary. I don't know that it ever was, but it especially isn't today. We right. acknowledge <laughs> so many amazing fabrics and tools that we can use to make sure that yeah, we can have what we want right now. Yeah. It's just a, it's a mind
0: shift. Now, some of those fabrics and some of those solutions I know can cost a little bit more money. Yes. Um, so I assume that there's a balance between sometimes spending less money on something that might be throwaway, something spending money on something that might be really, really, really durable, but you, know, you have to decide, is this something I want to live with for 20 years? So I assume True. that's part of the conversation too.
1: Yes, absolutely, I do. Um, You do pay a little bit more upfront. You will um, definitely save on, um, you know, if you use an outdoor fabric or an outdoor rug, you're not going to have to have expensive or professional cleaning done. It's something you can do yourself. Um, I'll usually encourage a client to spend the money on the pieces that they do want to keep, their investment pieces. you know, and there's so many fun, trendy pieces too, that come with slip covers that aren't expensive. I mean, you really can go with just natural cottons as long as you, you know, know how to take care of them. That can, that can be easy and economical. Sure, so thinking about your place and the
0: journey that you went on creating your home, which is so beautiful, what, what did you learn along the way? What surprised you as you kind of found your own path and your own solutions? And what
1: are things you're still struggling with? Wow. um, There's so many different ways to adapt to your specific family needs. And, you know, it's important for us to kind of get still and realize that a family is composed of many different personalities. So we all have different preferences. We all have, you know, different needs and wants. And so that's where I think an interior designer can really help you come in and translate what everyone's needs are and then put that together in like a cohesive way right so that everyone is it feels acknowledged and everyone's because if you're you're too close
0: we, we tend to be too close to our own family and our own stories and it can be really hard to get that more objective viewpoint that does right. involve everybody.
1: And also small children or children that might be nonverbal or have special needs can't even articulate mm. what it is that is maybe bothering them or doesn't make them feel comfortable or what they, what they really want. So um, that's a fun part of, you know, coming in and working with a family is sort of translating that.
0: That's um, beautiful.
1: Yeah. So I feel like as far as um, what we can do, It's more than just looking at, um, say, how a space flows. It's more than just how your furniture is placed. It's more than just what fabrics you use. I also think that we need to kind of think about psychologically how design affects us as well. I know you talk about that some. Um, I like to kind of think about it through our five senses. So we have, uh, you know, sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. Um, Water quality is super important. The air quality, the temperature that your rooms are, Mm -hmm. um, how much natural light you're getting or not getting. These are all different things that I like to look at as far as interior design and how we can best meet the needs of the people who live there. Yeah. So you, did you build your home from the ground up? Was that a complete? I did. Build? And it was, really, it was the first time that I had done it for myself. And I have to admit, uh, with the building company that I used, they suggested that I use one of their resident designers uh, for a little bit of an extra fee so that I would have someone to bounce ideas off of mm-hmm. and to help me with the final selections and the measuring. And so I found that extremely helpful and really fun to be on the client side. Sure. I, I could really drive the design direction. And also I taught them a lot about inclusive design and design for special needs. Um, but, but I was also helped. One thing that was Mm -hmm. really fun, a project that I did that I haven't posted yet is I have a very, a pretty steep stairwell and it's Mm -hmm. a stairwell without a, a runner. And it is in between my son's room and my master bedroom, and I really wanted to make sure that in the middle of the night when he comes in, which he often does, um, that there wouldn't be any accidents, and so we created this gorgeous stainless steel, um, like child gate or safety gate at the top of the stairs that matched the stair railing coming up, Mm. and um, you know, that's not as typical. It is custom, and it was a little unusual, but we have really enjoyed that, even for pets to keep them either upstairs or downstairs. It's been great.
0: Yeah, because, you know, a baby gate that you're only going to have for maybe nine months of your life because you're a, having a, a standard upbringing can be plastic and whatever. You can not sure. worry about it aesthetically, although it's nice if you're able to invest even for those nine months in something that's beautiful. But when you have something that's going to need to be a longer term solution and giving that some thoughtfulness so that it is also beautiful and it feels integrated into your home. You know, sometimes when people, t- people talk about aging in place, for example, and one of the big problems is, right? And nobody wants to look like they're living in a medical situation or, or have it be sterile, you know? So whether you're aging or you have special needs, you still have taste and aesthetic preferences and you want to live in a beautiful place, but not all the solutions out there are built beautifully and functionally.
1: They are getting better, I will say, and you know that safety gate. Really, I thought about it for the elderly as well, because there are so many people that get disoriented in the evenings, Mm. and falls are the number one cause of serious injury for people that are you know that are aging in place. But you're right; um, design should be dignified, Mm -hmm. and there are so many new beautiful ways to create safety and support. Mm-hmm. for those that need it without it looking clinical. Um, I, I think there are several companies. In fact, it's an ebook that I'm thinking of putting together is just this big resource for people that want to start to add some support. Even if you're, you weren't born with a challenge or you're not elderly, maybe you're pregnant with twins and you might need a little help getting in and out of the shower. Do you know? I mean, there's a, There's a disability rights activist, Irving Zola, who I love. And his quote is that we are all only temporarily abled. All of us will experience something in our lifetime where we can kind of see that we might need a little bit of extra support. So my main goal really would be to look at building universally and inclusively from the beginning so that um, we wouldn't have to go back and consistently adapt yeah. But that it would be built already, or at least some structure would be in place for that for the future.
0: Well, I think right now, because we're recording this in the time of COVID, right? <laughs> so people are becoming very hyper aware of how sometimes our homes are going to have to adapt for our, our new needs. So we kind of globally, we're, we're discovering that our homes have to do things for us right now that they never had to do before, where you know, in normal everyday existence before COVID, we all ex- experience this, but not all at the same time. And right. right now we are all at the same time going, huh, how is my home supporting me? What do I need to change to make sure that I can still live my life on a
1: day-to-day basis, given this new reality? That's right. And it's, ex- and it, it's an exciting time for interior designers so that we can really shine with what we do best, which, which is what I think we do is translate needs, and help create solutions. Yeah. Um, and like you're saying, and it, during this time of COVID, people are, are realizing that home is not just a place to hang your hat. Home is a psychological sanctuary. It's where hopefully we feel the most safe, and where we can take that game face off and really relax. And so now that we're spending so much time at home, if it's not doing that for you, um, then you it's can' like doing its job. You can make a change. that's right. Yeah. Exactly. So going back
0: to some of your favorite solutions. So you have that outdoor velvet. Honestly, I didn't even know they had outdoor velvet. So that's awesome. So you have a bleachable outdoor velvet. You mentioned this beautiful safety gate that you designed and installed. Tell us two or three of your other favorite solutions that you've come up with over the years.
1: Oh, well, I love plants and fresh flowers and they make me so happy. In fact, there is so much scientific proof out there now about how nature and plants make us so happy. And I want my son to be a part of that. So what I found was at um, a fun furniture store or garden store, I got metal, metal, canisters that are normally like kitchen canisters. Mm -hmm. And I use those as vases because that way my son Ronan can help me cut flowers and do arrangements and we can pot plants all over the house, but he can't break them. Another thing too, on that note is, you know, family time for us is sitting around the dinner table. Even if it's takeout, I want everyone to sit together and look at each other in the eye and have a conversation. Yeah. my girls were always wonderful to help set the table. And when they're little, they really want to help. They wanna be a part of the family. With my son, he, um, he struggles with finger dexterity. He really has a hard time not fumbling or breaking things. Um, so I went to, again, a big box store and found this beautiful melamine dishware so that he mm-hmm. could help set the table, feel empowered, be a part of the family. Um, I feel like these little things sometimes psychologically create barriers for, for a child. Um, so it's not just physical barriers that kids with disability or special needs or even adults are dealing with. There's a lot of psychological barriers too. And I just want to set my home up so that he knows that he can participate in everything that everybody else is doing. That's really marvelous.
0: I love it. And there is there really is some gorgeous melamine dishware out there. Um, you know, if we look for the solutions, they exist. It doesn't have to be unpleasant things to live
1: with. It doesn't have to be expensive either. You know, I mean, even if you, you know, even if you do paper plates and just once a week or, you know, if just looking at how we can empower um, our family members to, to feel acknowledged, to be a part of the group, that's what really promotes, I think, the most happiness and fosters harmony in a, in a home.
0: So when you were growing up, was was all of this part of your home story and did, it inform, did your childhood home inform what you know now or did you
1: have to teach this to yourself over the years? As far as design creating happiness, um, it was definitely something that I grew up with. My mother was very creative. She ended up actually becoming an interior designer late in life. Nice. I, just, I remember being little and we my dad was in the Navy. We moved around a lot and we lived in a lot of dark little dingy you know, Navy housing, apartments, um, sometimes even mobile homes. And I remember that my mom always would would decorate these spaces and and try to make them cheerful. I had a little canopy bed when I was little, and I remember my mother repurposing that fabric into cafe curtains for a kitchen in another home. She always made it feel special. And so even though there was so much change and new places, new friends, new schools, I could count on having a sweet and cheerful, steadfast place to, to come home to. I think that made all the difference. I it's really so interesting it. that you say that because we
0: share that in common. I grew up in the army. Okay. And I know that my, my parents were so good about making sure that, you know, about two weeks after we'd move anywhere, that the house was set up and there was the couch and there was the old Winchester rifle over above <laughs> the couch. You know, like it just always felt like home. So even though we'd gone to a new city and to a new dwelling, a new physical dwelling, home had come with us. And it was part of what really made my life feel very stable as we moved from place to place. It was really... I think
1: that's why people get attached to things because they do sort of represent who we are, our memories, and what creates our homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is very special. Um, and you, you mentioned the word dwelling, which made me think of a fantastic um philanthropy that I've worked with in Dallas in the past which is dwell with dignity and it's been incredibly moving and profound for me in including what I've experienced within my own home life to see this philanthropy support families who are moving out of homelessness into their new dwellings wow. and often these you know these apartments are just white boxes they're very uninspiring and this beautiful philanthropy comes in and and decorates, gives this family things to own. And it's not about materialism. It's about dignity and it's Mm -hmm. about... You know, feeling like you have a place in this world and a place to share with others, yeah. creating community, yeah. is really what it's about, and that's just so so important.
0: And I think that sense of permanence, you know, because we know nothing in life is permanent. So obviously, it's not a forever thing. Nothing is forever, mm-hmm. but there is. You can feel too untethered. You can feel too unanchored. And by having that feeling of permanence, just having an address, having a place to call home, and the things that mark it as your home, not some hotel room or something. Right. It it has a psychological impact. Absolutely. It does. What rules do you think people think they have to follow when it comes to home? Or what rules did you once think you had to follow when it came to home that you've realized are not true rules?
1: Oh, I think that we all love looking through uh, shelter publications or Pinterest and that your home isn't special unless it looks like a magazine or a professional did it. (laughs) That should be true. Um Really, what what home is about, or what I want to give people permission to hear, is that home is about how you feel and it's okay whether it, it looks pretty to others or not. It's really about what supports you and it's just okay. And also, I love that homes can evolve over time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a living room look perfect in. You know a few months time let it evolve and as your needs evolve you know you can you can add you can subtract but it really is about the way it supports you and just not to feel so pressured i love how interior design has sort of exploded onto mainstream media and hgtv and all these different mm-hmm. shows there are um some fallacies sometimes in these shows, but what I love about it is it's, it's really teaching people that it's okay to want to have a beautiful home and that home can be whatever you want it to be.
0: Absolutely true. Yeah. So now you built your own home and no remodel process is a perfect experience. True. So what, what did you experience during the remodel process that either didn't go as you expected or was truly a design failure that you had to remedy Tell us the real stories behind what you experienced.
1: You know, I feel that because I asked for a lot of help and I did have another designer help me, um, the pressure was off a little bit. So I definitely think ask for help. Yeah. Um, listen to people that might know more than you. Um, contractors and builders can be a huge wealth of information. Um, I know how to make a space that's already existing feel pretty marvelous. Um, but creating those spaces was a little bit different for me. Mm-hmm. And the builders and the architects um, really helped with me seeing that three-dimensional picture. Yeah. And so let oh, me trying to think if there like, were like what did they bring to the
0: table that helped you shape a space where you, you're really grateful that they helped you talk through that?
1: Hmm, let me think. Um, probably like the kitchen and living areas, you know, I I had this specific way that I thought it needed to look. And sometimes, you know, we go through stages, I don't know if if everyone does, I know designers do, where you have a specific look in mind, and you just think that's really what you need. But, you know, we can be guilty of being stuck in a little bit of a trend. And so they really helped me consistently think about what would be timeless and what would even serve the next family. Mm. Um, because I'm an interior designer, I almost wanted to go too custom. And, you know, so I think that's something to consider is I know what I really wanted and what works for me, but what's going to work for the next family as well. So they were able to kind of keep me more big picture. Um, and so we made some compromises for sure. Mm. Um, but also, there were several things that I wanted that might have been a little, different that um, I had to kind of fight for and realize that I could trust myself and I, I knew what I was talking about.
0: Yeah, and, so, and those are two really important balances. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times, um, especially if people aren't familiar with remodeling, they will rely too much on the expert advice of the contractor, architect, or even the designer. And, when they really, really know something for themselves won't necessarily listen to it anyway because they're like, well, this person's a professional, they must know better than me right and Sometimes we really have to listen to that inner inner voice and go, no, I need to fight for this thing. Because I know it's right for me, even if it's out of the box, or even if it's not what this designer, contractor, architect would do for their own selves or other for other clients.
1: I mean, it really can be a negotiation the whole time. And for for a woman, I feel like sometimes we are afraid to step up and really negotiate or keep talking it through until we find a middle ground. I have um, a good friend who is doing a remodel and she really wants black cabinetry on the the lower cabinetry. It's a hip look right now. She's really, really wants that. And for some reason, her contractor just said, no, not doing it. It chips and it's this and it's that. And so she called and asked my opinion. And I said, you know what, he might be right. And in his field of experience, that may be something that he's had, you know, maybe a negative experience with, but you absolutely can have black cabinets. And let me, let me tell you all the different variations of paint and there's marine grade and there, there are ways that we can do this. So Yes, I think um, listening to yourself, uh, staying open minded, but also true to what feels right for you is so important that clients need to know it's okay. Yeah, You, you ultimately are living in this home. You're paying for this, this remodel or construction. So make it yours. Yeah, well, and I think that applies to
0: advice in general. You know, you have to understand where the advice from somebody is coming from. It could be something for your own life or a job that you want to get or somebody you want to date and, and a good friend can be giving you advice and saying, I don't think that that's a good idea for you. And it might be that they're just afraid for you, you know, or that they just don't want to see you get hurt or that, you know, this other client had black cabinets and they're really miserable. And this contractor doesn't want that to happen for you. So we always have to figure out what, what stories are coming with the advice that may or may not be true for you. Listen to it, but then know that it's okay to say, thank you for your advice about my life
1: or about my cabinets.
0: And now (laughs) I'm going to
1: walk my own path anyway. Exactly. That's one of the things that's so fun about paint and can make your, your home so happy. So if you do decide that maybe this isn't your forever home and you really want to go safe and neutral with all of the permanent finishes, Mm -hmm. um, boy, getting a gallon of hot pink paint or turquoise or purple or whatever you love is just a fun and easy way to add that happiness and color in your home, um, without a huge commitment because you can always repaint it white right before you put it on the market. If that's what you think you need to do. Exactly. So that blue
0: upholstered chair, which anybody who's listening, you've got to go to the Instagram feed. Oh <laughs> it's just so pretty. And there's
1: several pictures of it. Is there just one, like, I want to know about this chair. Is there one of these chairs? Oh, Is there no, there's of a pair. Those? And I have learned this too. If you ever see a pair of anything, get the pair even if the store will say oh we'll just sell one pairs are fantastic and i love um I, i've done this before i've made this mistake where i just bought one piece and i went back the next day to get the net the other one and it was gone uh, but no these two chairs were actually found in Roundtop. Roundtop, texas has this amazing vintage fair twice a year
0: oh, cool. and
1: there are just football field size tents out in cow pastures And you, there are vendors from all over the country, you eat barbecue and you put your boots on and your hat, it's usually hot, it's in April and October. And I always go and hunt. And when I'm there, I see designers from all over the South from Texas. And um, it's so much fun to see your colleagues there. If you go at the very beginning, you get the best pick of everything. But if you go at the end, you get the best deals because no one wants to ship all this furniture, whatever's left over back home. Right. So I have a lot of furniture that is repurposed that are, um, you know, vintage, maybe antique reproductions. So that chair, when I bought it, was in white muslin and then a red silk before I had, you know, my son Ronan. And then, of course, I knew right away when he was born that I would have to start toughening up. Um, and I saw that velvet and I just thought, this is incredible. So yeah, I really want to do that photo shoot with the peanut butter because I want people to know that um, I think saying yes to our kids is creates so much of more of a happy home than saying no all the time. And we can do that, even if we just use beautiful vinyls, um, you know, or leather or slip covers. Um, I think it just it makes a more solid relationship when there's respect there between either a designer and a client or a parent and child. Um, So there's a lot more than just the way a home looks in order to have that really happy, harmonious feeling.
0: I love just what you just said there, like just being able to say yes to our kids. What a beautiful statement just on its own. I absolutely love that. So, I mean, I don't know that there's much more to add to that, but is there any other advice you'd want to give somebody to give to someone wanting to create their own happy home?
1: One thing that I do know as as I've been speaking to families, my focus has really been on meeting the needs of the child, right? Like I've said, like making them feel acknowledged, meeting where they are. But I also want to tell the parents that it's okay to be a little selfish and want a beautiful <laughs> sanctuary for yourself because these kids are tough and life is hard. None of us Um, whether you have children or not, none of us are immune to challenges in this lifetime. And so it really is okay for you to want a beautiful bedroom or a spa-like bathroom, whatever that looks like to you. I want to give permission to parents to take care of themselves, you know, because you can't give if you're empty, right? So just giving people permission to, that it's okay to want beauty around you. It's okay to want a beautiful area that, that fits you it's okay to want your own private space sure yeah. yeah
0: what would you say the balance is as a parent between teaching your children to take care of beautiful things and meeting them where their needs are at you know because like I grew up in a household and I know my, my father did too where things were very pristine and you were just like you were just taught you don't break things you know and we were able enough that we were able to accommodate those demands. <laughs> Well, I mean, there. what is that balance?
1: There's both. I mean, I have art hanging in my home that is an investment, and some of it is low enough that he can, you know, pat, pat as he walks by. <laughs> and so, yes, there's the conversation of we respect each other's boundaries. We respect our toys. We respect our clothes. And we respect certain pieces in the house that we just don't touch. Now, of course, if, you know, if he touches it, he touches it. And that's just life. And I guess that yes, piece of that art has it. a patina. <laughs> <laughs> it, might lo- it might lose a little value to someone else, but, you know, usually art is something that you love. And I have a feeling that when I get older and I look around at the little bumps and scratches around, uh, it'll just bring back beautiful memories yeah. more than anything. So that's a mind shift as well. It's yes, you want to invest in beautiful things to make your home pretty, but they're things, you know, they're just, they're things and that's okay.
0: Yeah. I love where you come from. I love everything
1: about you, to be
0: completely
1: honest. Thank you. That means the world to me. And I feel the same about you. And um, your book is fantastic. And it's it's promoting a message of joy, which we all need so much right now. Yeah. Well, we're both just
0: about giving permission to people to live as happy as they possibly can. Do what it takes, you know, And, and don't worry about the rules around it. Figure out what those rules are for your family. So where can people find you if they would like to know more about what you're up to? Oh,
1: I would love, well, you can follow me on Instagram at Acorn and Oak by Shelley Rosenberg or acornandoak.com i have a membership site that i'll be launching soon i really want to make sure that i disseminate as much information about interior design for specific needs as i can just for the you know we not all of us can invest in an interior designer so i think it's really important to kind of build a community and share what we need and share what our solutions are
0: well and i think that even if people are investing in an interior designer Coming to the table, because as you said, you worked with an interior designer building your own home and you were actually educating them on some of the more specific knowledge you had. So a lot of interior designers are going to bring a lot of important skills to the table, but you know, this, what we're talking about, universal design and inclusive design is still kind of a specialty. It's kind of a niche. Whether or not it should be is a different conversation. And so if that's part of what you need brought to the table and you can't find a designer who can serve that for you, you're going to have to be your own advocate. So making sure you have those resources so that,
1: You've got all the pieces of the puzzle and if your you home. are working with an interior designer that you love and they may not be as familiar, um one of the things that I'm really open to is talking to my colleagues and sharing my experience because that just is going to promote you know my passion even more so yeah, if you have an interior designer you're working with, have him or her call uh, we can oh, I love that yeah you know, we can have a conversation about what your specific needs are and and that would just make me very happy to do that. That is
0: beautiful. Well, I think that is a wonderful way to wrap this up. Thank you so much for being on today, Shelley. I am so glad that you shared your story and that you have given people tools to live their happiest and most beautiful life, no matter what situation life has given them. You are so welcome. It's absolutely my pleasure. So I hope to all of our listeners that you enjoyed this episode of creating your happy place and that you do feel a little bit more encouraged and empowered to make your home your happy place. If you are feeling really stuck, I do encourage you to check out my book Happy Starts at Home. It's filled with exercises that are meant to help you figure out what it is that needs changing in your home to get it to a place where it is making you happy. And if you have specific design challenges, you can also reach out to my team at Seriously Happy Homes because thanks to the power of the internet, we can help everybody no matter what you call home and we can help you get some of those next practical steps towards creating happy home solutions in your space. In the meantime, no matter where you call home, I hope it makes you seriously happy and I'll see you next time.